Hello, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters. This program is produced and recorded in the studios of WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. When I was a graduate student, one of the articles that I was assigned in a class that impacted me greatly was an article by Dr. Jerry Brophy, who was an educational psychologist who wrote about the topic of praise in the classroom. I was intrigued by that because I knew in my experiences that the praise was very important in my own development. And Brophy gave great advice on how teachers can do that effectively, but of course that was written in the 1980s. What's interesting now is to take the underlying concept of Brophy's behavioral nudges in the form of praise and think about what that might look like for students of the current generations that we're teaching. That's what we'll focus on in today's program. In fact, we'll be talking about using texting as a behavioral nudge, which can already have, uh, which has already been shown to have an effect on students in terms of improving their academic success. My guests today are Barbara Endel, who is the Senior Director at JFF and a returning podcast guest. Also, Jill Frankfurt, who is co-founder and president of Persistence Plus, and also a fellow Buckeye colleague of mine, Aaron Weiss, who is the Interim Dean of Science and Mathematics at Lorraine Community College in Cleveland, Ohio. They will be discussing the concept of behavioral text nudges in the form of personalized messages, which in a large national study showed that STEM students at Lorraine Community Colleges and other institutions in the study had a 10% percentage point higher uh, increase in success than the control groups in that randomized study. So with that long introduction, Barbara, Jill, and Aaron, welcome to Teaching Matters. Thank great you. Great to be here. I'm glad to be with you, Scott. So this, I think, um, from my perspective, is a, a very significant advancement forward in institutions' abilities to connect with current generations of students. So, Barbara, can I start with you and have you sort of talk about this initiative that was undertaken as a collaboration between JFF, Jill's organization, Persistent, Persistence Plus, and then Lorraine Community College and several others. What's the broad objective of what it is that you did, and why do you think it's so important? Great. Thank you, Scott. And just so glad to be part of a program today with these two dynamic innovators. So to put the objectives into context, JFF is a national nonprofit that designs, scales, and influences systems change in the U.S. We work in over 42 states in partnership with leading foundations and make, uh, together with public sector investments. So, Scott, given the shifts to the new economy that we know Technology has evolved, but the systems and the skills have not. So we're leaving behind so many. I'm on a team at JFF where on a daily basis we're designing effective pathways for young adults, non-credentialed adult learners, and college-going students to help them finish what they start leading to a good job. We're seeking ways to drive transformation uh, through a new forward-looking direction called New Horizons at JFF which is why focusing on STEM with science, education, technology, and math is so important as a core driver in our new economy. We are excited to partner with Persistence Plus and Lorraine County Community College in this new exciting STEM initiative called Nudging to STEM Success. This is supported by the Helmsley Charitable Trust, and we are working to help solve these national issues of building a strong and diverse STEM workforce. This initiative and our objectives has focused on really three areas. So number one, STEM fields pay an average of 28% more than non-STEM fields, and the growth of STEM jobs over the next decade is projected to grow by over 10%. So we need students excited by STEM. Number two, over two-thirds of STEM associate degree students don't complete their STEM studies, and those that do over 50% leave the field. 
So we're testing together some dynamic innovations to help students finish what they start and stay on track. And third, Scott, STEM fields remain persistently underrepresented with students of color and women. And those that do enroll in STEM programs, we see what's called an equity gap, where the outcomes are worse for them, where theoretically all students are in the same classes and have access to the same support services. But there's indications that there's a lot more complexity to help students reach their goals. So our collaboration has been nothing short of amazing with promising data to help solve the issues I just outlined. So thank you for letting me paint this picture, Scott. Absolutely. And and just before we leave this, this issue specifically, just an example of a career pathway in the STEM field, um, just so that readers, you know, people hear STEM all the time, but, but listeners of the podcast and people that read about it, you know, what is a career pathway that might start out with an associate's degree and then go on to a career uh, that would be successful? Just as an example. Sure, absolutely. So an example of a STEM pathway could be what some colleges call stackable credentials. So a student could start in a two-year degree, let's say in IT or medical uh, related or advanced manufacturing or any number of STEM related careers. And some may, for example, work on a shorter term credential. Uh, you know, maybe it's support systems, uh, network systems in IT mm-hmm. and could jump into the labor market and then come back and keep going, which would add up to a two-year degree, while others stay in that two-year track across the whole two years and then hopefully transfer if they need to do more education and work. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you. Um, So, Jill, let's turn to you. Um, Your company, Persistence Plus, um, has designed the infrastructure that lets you deploy these nudges to students. So can you sort of describe and and provide some examples of what you mean by behavioral nudging and, you know, maybe talk about it from the perspective of how the institution sees it. But then if I'm a student in in a class or a field where I'm part of one of these programs, what would it look like to me? Certainly. Thanks, Scott. So first of all, for behavioral nudging to be effective, it's important to be addressing the challenges that students are facing. And there are many challenges that prevent students from continuing and earning a degree. Sometimes students drop out because of an unexpected bill or a changing work schedule. Other times students are simply overwhelmed or feel disconnected. And what we're talking about here, these challenges, these are true both for students entering directly from high school as well as returning adults. And so we work with students who are struggling to organize their time, who feel like if they need help, they don't belong in college, who lack some of the academic habits and skills critical for success, and who are anxious and and stressed about all the complexities they're dealing with in addition to their schooling. And so with behavioral nudging, what we do is use a variety of psychosocial levers to guide students through the important steps they need to do to progress to to a degree, to help them um, take advantage of the resources that an institution may offer, to help them feel connected on campus, and to persist in the face of all these different challenges. And so we have on our team um, a group of behavioral researchers and social psychologists who have designed thousands of different interactions to engage and motivate students to greater success. And then we have this intelligent software that delivers these nudges to students at the time that would be helpful. But that let me break this down to you what this looks like then for a student so give you a few examples years of of research has shown that um, implementation intentions when you prompt an individual to name when and where they will engage in behavior 
increases the likelihood of behavior. And this, this type of um, method has been used in everything from voting, getting people to vote, to getting a flu shot. And we use this very same mechanism to prompt students to return, for the, to register for the next term. We know that students are busy, they're juggling all these different things in their lives, but by asking students to identify when specifically they plan to take the time to register, we can help them actually go through that concrete step and follow up follow up with them on it as well. And we can do this mm-hmm. around um, not just registration, but financial aid and so many of the other important milestones to progress. Mm-hmm. One other strategy I just want to share that really reflects upon the STEM work that we've done here is to um, really help students who are interested in STEM, think about STEM a little bit differently. Because we know all too often students um, think of of science work as being sort of solitary and about individual achievement. And we know that individuals, particularly from underrepresented backgrounds, um, that that type of perception can be not as helpful in terms of persisting in challenges. So what we do is we send out nudges that sort of reframe this and talk about science jobs as collaborative, about helping others, um, because we know that type of, of mindset is more helpful. So we might ask students to reflect on um, what's something they learned in this class, in a science class, that would help them help others in their community. So when I was I was watching a video, and, and to the listeners, we'll have a link to uh, the video so that you can watch it as well in the text accompanying the podcast. When I was watching the video, it struck me that, you know, we all receive text messages every day that are um, basically advertisements. So you might get one from a pizza place, or you might get one from a sporting good place about a sale going on. And, and the text that I saw on the video that came from Persistence Plus to illustrate the platform didn't it all seem like that? It seemed like it was very personalized and, um, you know, I mean, it seemed like it was a real interaction between the student and, and someone. So it, it just came across to me as feeling very different than a generic text message. How do you accomplish that? I mean, this, this almost, I mean, I don't know if you would use the term artificial intelligence, but it almost feels like it's moving in that direction in some respects. Yes, there's definitely a lot of smart technology behind it so that we can customize our interactions for students at specific colleges to make sure that we're pointing them to the the right resources that Mm -hmm. the college might have on campus. And then we're also really being contextual for what students are are struggling with. So we'll point a student to tutoring when they're sharing that they're struggling academically. But that might be different than another student who is sharing that they're struggling, you know, around food insecurity, because Mm -hmm. then we're going to have a different interaction with them. And, And for instance, we just recently spoke with one of our STEM students who recounted how she got a nudge to talk to her professor and that she actually went ahead and did that even though she was scared. And if she hadn't actually done that, reached out to him and hadn't sort of had him explain one of the things that she was struggling with, she was really, she felt convinced that she would have failed the course. Mm -hmm. So it's really about meeting students that where they are. We also personalize our nudges based upon student demographics. So it's individual who's returning to college after 20 years might have a different set of interactions than someone who's 18 or 19 or first generation students who are attending college might have a different um, you know background knowledge about college compared to a continuing gen student um, and so we're really trying to think about where students are um, and to help that support them to their goals and and just before I turn to Aaron let me let me check my understanding on something that I think is really important that I, that I think I heard you say. So for any particular group of students, it's not like they all get the same messages at the same time and at the same intensity that, that your platform actually starts to tailor 
the nudging to the student in, in some degree. Is that a correct uh, summary? That's right. At any point, students are on thousands and thousands of different pathways that are changing dynamically based upon mm-hmm. what they're sharing at the college they're at and, and what's happened so far in the term. Yeah, it's very exciting. So, Erin, let me turn to you. So, in your role as as um, dean at Lorraine Community College, you're deeply, obviously, involved in STEM education because that's your your academic domain. Can you talk a little bit about your student population at Lorraine? Um, maybe your background and what brought you into this project, um, and and why you thought this type of intervention was necessary to trial at Lorraine Community College. Sure. Uh, thanks, Scott. So. Um Briefly on my background, I'm Associate Professor of Mathematics and the Interim Dean of Science and Math at, uh, at LCCC. Um, formerly served as our President of our Faculty Senate um, for five years, and so I've been intimately involved with all of our sort of student success um, and completion agenda initiatives uh, since we started, uh, you know, back in like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, a, as someone who is, who is re- involved in sort of the redesign, multiple redesigns of, of uh, math pathways, developmental math, especially uh, curricular redesign of some science courses as well. Um, one of the things that I was playing around with as a faculty member um, in, in delivery of content was sort of using our LMS platform um, to, to sort of send messages to students in a way that was, I guess, w- without me knowing, behavioral nudging. Um, and so I became very interested um, as, as when I became interim dean in learning that we had that we had this uh, this project with Persistence Plus uh, and JFF. And so uh, it was sort of right in my wheelhouse. It was something that that I was really excited about um, and taking on as as sort of overseeing it at LCCC. So we have a very right like many community colleges, we have a very diverse student population uh, that comes to us with you know varying levels of preparation. We also have um, sort of a large influx of, of College Credit Plus students mm-hmm. um, that's been drastically increasing in the last few years, uh, while at the same time, sort of our adult enrollment uh, has been declining. And so we have sort of struggles on how on, on these different populations and how we can um, target them specifically uh, to improve student success for them. So, you know, as far as um, why this intervention is necessary, uh, Lorraine County in and of itself is sort of, it, it, it's, it's sort of in the middle of, of a rebound, right? You know, we traditionally use a large manufacturing um, uh, blue collar county where there's a lot of manufacturing jobs and st- at the steel mill and other things. And those, a lot of that is gone mm-hmm. in, in sort of the modern technology and information age. I, I believe that this type of intervention is, is necessary, right? We're trying to uh, revitalize a, a rebounding community. Um, we need to, we want, we have a strong desire to increase, uh, underrepresented populations in STEM, but, but also increase opportunity for, for all in the community. Uh, and, and whether that's through STEM or not, um, certainly we want to promote that, uh, STEM. Um, so there's sort of like these, um, procedural things that, that potentially become issues for students and, um, Persistence Plus does a really nice job of addressing these so-called, you know, hidden rules that students don't really don't understand when they come to us, but we expect them to understand. And so Mm -hmm. they have this theoretical framework that they nudge these students about uh, information about these sort of um, hidden rules. You know, for instance, meeting with your advisor, uh, how to schedule a class, how to how to speak with or simply just speaking with your professor 
the value of the syllabus, things of that nature. Um, and they have a positive effect. And so the nudges really do promote these positive behaviors uh, that we that that we want the students um, to exhibit. Um, sort of this this because of the way that it tailors the messages to the students based on how they respond. Um, it really is a, a platform that promotes equity, right? Because mm-hmm. we're meeting the student exactly where they are at and we're promoting, we're, pro- we're supporting them the way they as an individual need to uh, feel that they need to be supported. Um, another, another thing that I think that is necessary about this is it's the modern way of communicating with a student, right? Mm-hmm. Um, getting information out via a cell phone is, is how people is, is the way it's not even the way of the future. It's it's what we've been doing as as people for a, for a long time, and so we have a major issue with sort of sending emails to students and students not reading them. Well, if you send a direct <laughs> message to their cell phone, it's much harder to ignore because there's minimal steps. The message you know will will come up right on the home screen, and even if you swipe it to delete it, you still glance over it and read it. So you're even if they even if the students aren't responding, they're still getting messaging. So I think that's a that's a really necessary way of, of making sure that we can um, help students and promote the behaviors that we know good students exhibit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that um, we we spend a lot of time in not only higher education, but the media as a whole, trying to figure out how to continually redesign platforms that the students aren't on. <laughs> and yeah. And I think that in some ways that's a folly in the sense that if they're not there already, no tinkering around with the design is going to change that. But but you're right. I mean, the, the cell phone screen is the most important screen in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for that explanation, Aaron. That makes a lot of sense about um, why this is so important in the context of, of the economic climate um, in your county. So, so Jill, let me turn to you and kind of shift gears a little bit. One of the, the, one of the core reasons that we wanted to have you on um, is to learn about the technology that your company has. But you also were engaged in this collaborative research effort with JFF and, and multiple institutions, including Lorraine. And you just released a report about the randomized trial that you used um, to see what the efficacy was of behavioral nudges. Can you kind of give the big picture about what you found in that study um, in terms of the results? Certainly. This was really exciting. We ran a randomized trial with three of our college partners this past fall and approximately 2,000 students. And what we did was nudge students um, to essentially return for the fall. And we found at the end of this process that students who had received these summer nudges um, had a, and these were STEM students, had a 10 percentage point higher return rate than a control group of students who did not receive these nudges. Mm-hmm. And this finding was not only you know, tremendous, but also t- statistically significant. Mm-hmm. And what's really important about this is that when we work with our college partners, we often hear just persistence gains of, of one percentage point can be really impactful in terms of making a difference and in, in getting more students through and, and helping a college on their, on their mission of student success. But particularly in STEM, where for so long um, students have really had challenges in terms of, of moving to a degree, to be really helping these students, propelling them to these jobs that we know are available and will make a difference for, for, their, for their own economic future as well. So this was this was really truly exciting. Yeah, those. I mean, it's an impressive study, an impressive report. But more importantly, you're showing that you're having a real effect on students' lives in terms of them being able to navigate um, what 
you know, Aaron so eloquently called the the hidden rules of academia. So uh, it's really a great report. And of course, um, I would encourage listeners to um, to take a look at it. Barbara, turning back to you, you sort of began this interview by talking about the broad objectives of why you wanted to have JFF partner with Persistence Plus in doing this study and testing behavioral nudges. Do you feel from your perspective that the nudging is accomplishing the objective that you had uh, going into this? Scott, absolutely. I mean, the results are just so strongly promising and relatively unheard of when compared to other completion interventions in this space. I mean, as Jill just uh, reinforced, there's, you know, usually if you can get two or three or four percentage points, mm-hmm. that's that's a huge gain, but 10 is is really terrific. So for us, our expectations have definitely been exceeded. And when we look at the, the all, you know, like all of the data, when we look at the focus groups from students and the feedback they've provided and that evidence from, you know, faculty members and then from these, um, really these data points showing the impactful behavior, I think things are completely on track. And what this is really saying to me is colleges absolutely need to be exploring more customized and scalable approaches for students and really help them feel like they belong and that their college material to get them to succeed in what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, turning to you, you can maybe contextualize what Barbara just said at, at more of a local level. So what what kind of results, either in, in numbers or in anecdotal evidence, are you seeing at Lorraine? And from your perspective as the dean of STEM, you know, what are you hearing from your students? And, and do you do you plan to continue using this approach? Right. So, you know, we we had uh, we were very excited about the results from the uh, the study from the summer, and so continuing the work this past fall semester, um, you know, we recently have gotten additional data that that has shown some very promising results for for Lorain County Community College with regard to to our our students in particular. Um, so, from fall to spring, uh, we have some recent data that shows. From fall to spring uh, persistence, we, we have students that received the nudges in comparison to those who didn't persisted at a rate 10% higher mm-hmm. uh, than those who didn't. Um, breaking that down, breaking down that further in terms of um, demographics, um, adult students in particular uh, persisted at a rate 12% higher uh, than those who received the nudges, those adults who received the nudges in comparison to those who didn't. And, and probably... Um, most phenomenally for students of color, those who received the nudges in comparison to those who didn't persisted at a rate 19% higher. Wow. Uh, so we really are, we really are thinking of how we can enhance this initiative to really, to really um, um, promote our, our equity agenda uh, here on campus, right? We have, this is great initial data that we have um, that, that shows a way to help us, um, um, you know, sh- uh, shorten those achievement gaps for those students in those populations. Um, there's also some, we also have some interesting data on on when students respond to the nudges. Uh, the students who respond to the nudges persist at a higher rate. And in particular for adult students, those adult students who respond to the nudges persisted at a significantly higher rate, about 17% higher than those who didn't. So hmm. again, there's a there seems to be a major benefit for that particular population of adults to to be very active in the platform, and and then interestingly enough, also for students, traditional age students, the 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 difference between you know actively responding to the nudges and, and those who didn't respond is is actually fairly close. It's still a little higher, 
But the what that what that tells me, at least from my opinion, is that simply receiving the message is the important thing, right? Again, if they respond and interact, there's certainly benefits to that, especially mm -hmm. for certain populations. But for a lot of our traditional aid students, getting the message on their phone is what matters. And if we can get that to them, it's going to have a positive effect, regard, effect regardless. Um, across the board, with from summer and fall, we have, we have no complaints from any students. In fact, 83% of the students from focus groups, 83% from responses from focus groups, 83% of the students said that they would recommend this service to any new student at LCCC. Uh, we had we had students saying things like, um, you know, they 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 loved the platform because knowing someone was there if they needed it or not, uh, or things like it was uplifting to receive a reminder and advice, especially when I started following falling behind. Right. So the student doesn't necessarily perceive it as an as an automated platform thing that's doing this. Right. Maybe they know that. Maybe they don't. But it seems to me from the responses we've gotten, it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. It still provides this personal touch to the student that the institution is reaching out to them and they are important to the institution. And so, I mean, the for me, continuing to use this type of initiative, um, I think the sky's the limit with the kind of things that you can do. Uh, with this behavioral nudging, another benefit in my mind is is the um, the little little to no additional work is required of faculty and advisors to implement this initiative on your campus, right? So essentially, it's been myself as the as the dean of science and math overseeing the grant and had some interaction with our institutional research to provide the appropriate data to Persistence Plus. But beyond that, it's little to no additional work, and it has such a valuable return on investment from the initial data that we've that we've gotten. Um, so yeah, in my opinion, the sky's the limit on what you can do. Uh, and I'd, I'd love for LCCC to continue using this type of um, student success uh, initiative. Yeah, that that sounds really exciting, particularly some of the results you're seeing within specific segments of your student population. Um, some of those numbers are just amazing. Joe, let me let me turn to you again. Um, so this this partnership that you have with JFF and the partner uh, colleges is related to STEM. And obviously, you're seeing great results in that. And, and we've heard why that's so important, not only on a local level, but also on a national level. Is, is your technology, though, something that is only um, being tested for STEM disciplines? Or do you see applications for wider implementation? Um, yeah, so we've actually been working in a variety of different um, contexts, different institutions, two-year, four-year online, different populations of students from entering students to year completers at the end of the tail end of, of their college experience. We actually, um, in another initiative um, that was funded by the Institute of Education Sciences, work with nine different open access institutions, and, and including actually Ohio University, um, and found that Persistence Plus nudges to students who had 50% or more of their credits resulted in a, in a again, a significant persistence increase. And, I mean, this is really, truly exciting, a six percentage point increase in, in graduation for those most at risk of students within um, one year. Hmm. So not only are we seeing this advancement term to term, but actually making a real difference for graduation um, results. And what's great, it's the technology allows us to personalize for students, but really the expertise in-house of, of knowing how to design interventions um, that can address these plethora of different issues and challenges that students have and feel very authentic so that students 
um, feel both comfortable reading as well as engaging. So that, that piece is really critical. You know, the, the colleagues of mine that are working with you on our campus are really excited about that. One of the questions that popped into my mind about, about your technology is, is it the type of situation where the longer that you partner with an institution using the technology, does the, um, does the, techno- the smart technology behind the nudging improve, you know, sort of on a steady basis because of the I don't know, sort of the the data set that is being collected about how you're interacting with the students on that campus in that situation. Yes. So we are able to get more and more learnings out and sort of identify in, in working closely with the university, okay, students who share that they are more stressed at this point in time or feel like they um, aren't fitting in, you know, have more challenges in terms of um, persisting. And so we can play back those type of insights to an institution. We can make improvements on our end about how to address those challenges, but also really work with the institution closely so that there can also potentially be other initiatives to support students. Mm-hmm. For instance, we've found that students who flag for us that they're challenged, um, financially challenged to pay for the next semester have a 20 percentage point lower persistence rate. And so that's really allowed us in the moment to be able to point students to resources and then also really flag this for some of our college partners about the number of students who are, are flagging this, this financial insecurity as an issue for them and, and really have them think about resources that may be able to be pulled to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Uh, Barbara, coming back to you, um, you, you and I actually had a similar dialogue in the last po- podcast that you were in. I mean, JFF is involved in such great um, studies of interventions like this, and so this is a, another example of one. What's the plans for your organization in terms of uh, partnering to expand these efforts? And and based upon the trial, um, do you feel like this intervention is ready to scale up um, across other institutions, other disciplines, and that sort of thing? Absolutely. So to build on Aaron's vision, like, we absolutely concur that the sky is the limit in addition to, like, the country is the limit. So we believe this work has national implications, and we have definite plans uh, to work with and collaborate with uh, Jill and Aaron and colleges like his across more of these country, the country's 1,200 community colleges and four-year colleges, you know, to support millions of students to reach their career goals and experience this economic advancement. So together with Persistence Plus, we do have some next-generation projects that are currently under development. And Scott, maybe we save those for the chance to return to Teaching Matters in the future <laughs> and, and share with your listeners what we're finding there. Well, I was going to say I'll see you again or and again in about three months probably. So um, exactly. that's that's exactly <laughs> great. Well, listen, uh, I want to thank all three of you for being uh, on 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 the podcast. This was a, I think this was a really interesting topic because you know the premise behind the podcast. We cover a lot of topics, but really the core premise is how do we do a better job with the students we have right now and. Um, Jill, I have to say that your technology is impressive because it's one of the best examples I've seen where there was an intention behind doing exactly that, you know, reaching the students on their cell phones in in a, in a platform that they use every day in their lives. It's just great. And, and of course, it's showing such great results. So congratulations to you on having a great platform. Thank you. And thank you again for inviting us today. You bet. And Barbara, thanks for being a return guest. I look forward to talking to you again. And Aaron, it was nice to meet you. And uh, congratulations on having such a great experience with us up at Lorraine. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Glad to be here. You bet. Uh, thank you for listening to Teaching Matters produced by WOUB Public Media. You can always listen at woub.org slash listen. We're also available through several popular podcasting apps, including Google Play, iTunes, and NPR One to listen to in your mobile devices. You can contact staff of the podcast with ideas, questions, or comments through our Facebook page. Simply go on Facebook and search for Teaching Matters Podcast. Our audio engineer today is Adam Rich, and I'm Scott Titsworth. Have a great day. Thank you.